This is the KFDM Morning Show podcast from the most watched morning team in Southeast Texas. Let's get a look at our headlines of the day. Jefferson County Commissioners are extending the deadline one final time for a company to buy Ford Park. Commissioners agreed to a one month extension during Tuesday's meeting. The county judge says Renaissance Development Group presented documents showing it will have the money to close on the deal. The morning show's Rocio De La Fe has the latest. The future of Ford Park is on standby yet again. During Tuesday's commissioner court meeting, commissioners decided to extend the deadline for Renaissance Development Group to buy Ford Park from the county, an ordeal that's been going on for months. The deal originally scheduled to close last March and was put off until January 18th was extended one final time. February 18th is the new deadline for the purchase to be finalized. If it's not closed by February 18th, the uh, county attorney is given the authority to move forward to declare a breach and uh, cancel the contract. County Judge Jeff Brannick expressed disappointment and frustration over how long it's taken to finalize the deal. I understand that in the finance world, that there are often conditions and covenants that must be met. There are uh, pro formas that have to be prepared. There are all kind of requirements that they have that sometimes delay it, but we would have appreciated more phone calls. The county reached an agreement with Renaissance Development Group to buy Ford Park from the county for about $22 million. The deal has been on hold for 10 months, costing taxpayers about $5.5 million. Brannock and commissioners say Renaissance has provided financial documentation from institutions that confirmed funds will be released to the company, money that will then be transferred to the county. In a statement, spokesperson for Renaissance Development Group Kevin Johnson says as soon as funds are released to Renaissance a transfer will immediately be made to the county. He adds the plan was to fund before the holidays, but due to the holiday schedules, along with losing staff on both sides due to COVID, it didn't happen. But some commissioners say they remain skeptical until the deal goes through. We'll just wait until February 18th and see what happens, and then we know how we're going to move forward, and we have a firm plan established. In Beaumont, Rocio de la Fe reporting. Renaissance has one month to provide the funds to the county. Well, the Hardin County judge is releasing the county's latest COVID-19 report that shows a large number of new cases. Judge Wayne McDaniel says between January 11th and 17th, there were nearly 530 cases. 134 were fully vaccinated and 368 were not vaccinated. No deaths have been reported. The Beaumont Health Department releasing its COVID-19 report showing nearly 700 cases since Saturday, bringing the total of positive cases to more than 24,500. No new deaths have been reported, keeping that death toll at 323, with all but 28 having underlying health conditions. More than 20,000 people have recovered from the virus. And we're also getting the regional COVID-19 case numbers from the state. The report shows nearly 90 new cases in Jefferson County. That's far fewer than we've seen in the past couple of weeks. Orange County is reporting 50 new cases, Hardin County with 40. A little more than 20% of hospital patients in the region are COVID positive. That percentage is also way down from the high, nearly double that about a month ago. Beaumont police are looking for an identity theft suspect who got medical treatment while the victim got stuck with the bill. Investigators posted a picture of the person on the BPD Facebook page. They say this woman lied about her identity at about 1.40 a.m. last October 4th. 
According to police, she used another woman's name to receive medical treatment. The victim found out about the identity theft when she received the bill. If you recognize this woman, you're asked to call Beaumont police. A man is in jail after Port Arthur police seized weapons during a traffic stop. It all started on Granis Avenue near Thomas Boulevard around 1230 Monday morning when a car ran a red light. The driver took off and after a brief chase, he finally stopped. This is what police say they found inside the car, an AR-style rifle with a 50-round drum attachment and four semi-automatic pistols, one stolen from an auto burglary out of Port Arthur. Ronaldo Carter was arrested for the chase. Dustin Pergine is charged for unlawfully carrying the weapons. And Carrie Dennis had outstanding warrants out of Harris County. A Southwest Louisiana student is in jail this morning after making a threat against a school. The Calcasieu Parish Sheriff's Office says it learned Monday night about the possibility of a shooting at Sulphur High School. Deputies say a 15-year-old boy called another student, saying there would be a shooting at the school the next day. The suspect reached out to authorities on his own and he confessed he's charged with making a terroristic threat. Well, the deaths of three teenagers are under investigation in Crosby, that's near Houston. The sheriff calls it a double homicide suicide. Investigators say evidence at the scene led them to believe one firearm was used in all three deaths. The homeowner was away. Two 17-year-old girls and a 15-year-old boy were found dead. No word yet on a motive. The sheriff is calling the deaths senseless and tragic. Well, a day that started in worship ended with a synagogue in Texas at the center of a global drama after four people were taken hostage Saturday. As Britt Conway explains, the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security worry this kind of terrorism will happen again. I heard that very distinct click of an automatic handgun being pulled back. And for the nearly 11 hours that followed inside Congregation Beth Israel, four people were held hostage. The active shooter training they'd taken months before, now a reality. It absolutely saved our lives. We escaped, and we escaped because we kept presence of mind, because we made plans, because we strategically moved people. The Anti-Defamation League warns attacks on Jewish people are on the rise. It says the majority of the anti-Semitic incidents involve harassment and vandalism. But there have also been assaults, and at least six times since 2016, they've been deadly. As the FBI continues to investigate what happened in Texas, the Bureau's deputy director and a top official with the Department of Homeland Security warn faith-based communities have and will likely continue to be targets of violence by both domestic violent extremists and those inspired by foreign terrorists. Pointing out online forums linked to domestic violent extremists that have referenced Jewish targets tied to conspiracy theories about COVID-19, the outcome of the 2020 election, along with the Taliban takeover of Afghanistan and resettlement of Afghans to the U.S. It's why they're urging faith-based communities to look at their security with a critical eye. I'm Britt Conway reporting. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas said DHS will work with Congress to increase funding so faith-based communities can upgrade their security. And now, your daily weather forecast from the Southeast Texas Weather Authority. Good morning, Southeast Texas. I'm meteorologist Chad Sandwell, and here's a look at your forecast for Wednesday. It's January the 19th, 2022. Now, we'll continue with our warming trend today. Yesterday, high temperatures made it into the lower 70s. Today, we'll hit the mid-70s before a cold front comes through. That cold front 
going to bring some pretty big changes to southeast Texas. First, the possibility of showers and thunderstorms. We're looking at a 90% coverage. Showers start late this morning, continue through the afternoon. Best chance of storms will line up as that cold front pushes through this evening. And again, the possibility for severe weather is there. We're looking at a slight risk across mainly Tyler, Jasper, and Newton counties. And again, the main threat is going to be the gusty winds. Can't rule out the possibility of hail, and the tornado threat is low but not zero. So you'll definitely want to keep it here to your weather authority throughout the course of the day today as the cold front advances. Now behind the front, we're going to see a whole lot of changes. As a matter of fact, temperatures on Thursday are going to be at their highest around midnight. From there, those temperatures will slide through the day. So we're going to be looking at temperatures probably right around the upper 50s to near 60 degrees at midnight. And from there, they're going to slide. We'll look for temperatures in the upper 40s by the time you wake up Thursday morning around 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. We'll also look for the rain chances to end. So we'll look for cloudy and strong north winds. And that's going to continue to drive the temperatures down. Looking for temperatures into the lower 40s by the end of the afternoon. Heading through the overnight Thursday into Friday, moisture returns. And as temperatures cool, we'll have to watch for the possibility of a little bit of sleet, possibly some freezing rain. I think the best chance, if it develops, is going to be right along the coast because those north winds are going to keep moving through. That's going to dry things out north of Interstate 10. So the lakes area for sure going to be looking at some drier air moving in. Only going to go with a 20% coverage of early morning showers on Friday. I think maybe even seeing a little bit of sunshine by the end of the day Friday, but certainly into Saturday where we're going to see our coldest morning with temperatures into the middle and upper 20s from the lakes down to the Triangle. But I think Saturday comes with mostly sunny skies and northeast winds. Temperatures still going to be on the cool side into the lower 50s. And then we see a little bit of a warm-up with rain chances returning for the early part of next week. So let's recap how it all plays out for us today. Mid-70s for afternoon highs, 90% coverage of showers and storms as that cold front moves through. Behind the front, going to see some of the coldest air we've seen so far this season. 32 for your low Friday morning, 28 Saturday morning, and still looking at lower to middle 30s for Sunday morning. So a good three-day stretch of some very chilly air here across southeast Texas. That's going to do it for your Thursday morning. For the latest on your weather, don't forget you can turn into kfdm.com for your latest forecast. Check out our Facebook page, and also you can follow us on Twitter. Don't forget our social media app, available on your iOS and Android devices, has interactive radar, which is a great way to follow these storms through southeast Texas this afternoon. Have a great day, everyone. Thanks for listening. Join us again tomorrow for the KFDM Morning Show Podcast.